Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel healthy and vibrant again by finding the root cause of our gut health problems. My name's Allison Jordan, marathon runner, functional medicine practitioner, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of the Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for life. If you're ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. You're listening to episode two of the Better Belly Podcast. I am so excited to be bringing you this topic today on why the low FODMAP diet isn't healing your gut. If you're new here and you do not know what the low FODMAP diet is, I will just give a brief precursor and say that it's a diet that is meant to take out foods that are, let's say, low in fermenting oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. Now, what are those things? Those are all different kinds of sugars. And the big thing about these sugars is that bacteria love them. And as the name suggests, I don't know if you caught that it says that these are fermentable sugars. Yes, the F stands for fermentable. Now, you might be familiar with the word fermenting and you might say, oh, Allison, isn't fermenting good? Fermented foods, kombucha, that's good for your gut. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that if you are having problems with your digestion, you're probably having an over amount of fermentation in your gut. Yes, super interesting. So in your gut, when you have IBS or Crohn's or all these different digestive problems, including acid reflux, the movement of food through the gut is slowed or it's irregular or it's spasmodic and the bacteria can become overgrown. That's it. Imagine if you didn't take your trash out for a really long time. I mean, even within a week, it can begin to smell. But think two weeks, three weeks, it begins to smell because things are growing. And that is the bacteria. So when we're on a low FODMAP diet, we're trying to reduce the amount of food we're giving to bacteria. Even normal gut flora, we're trying to reduce the food that they can eat so that they don't overproduce and create gas and pain and create irritation and inflammation in the gut, the lining of the small intestine and our gut walls, right? So when we're on this diet, we can feel pretty good. But, you know, in my history, one of the things that I found is that the low FODMAP diet didn't heal me. And I constantly have clients come to me and say, I'm on the low FODMAP diet. I have constipation. I have bloating. I have abdominal pain. Um, I have skin problems. My hormones are out of balance. And I've been on the low FODMAP diet for a month, two months, three months, and usually more than three months. And they say, I still get all my symptoms. And really what the low FODMAP diet is, while it can heal some people and it can be a helpful part, part is the key word, of a healing protocol, what it on its own cannot and usually does not heal the clients that I am seeing and a lot of the people out there that I'm working with and talking to. Here's the reason why. When you put food into your gut, 
food is merely a mechanical and a chemical weight for the body to take care of. Food, especially when we're dealing with stuff like strawberries and watermelon and apples, all of which can be problematic for the low FODMAP diet. If you don't know what that is, you might be surprised. Garlic and onion um, can be problematic. These seemingly healthy foods can become suddenly very problematic. Food is not the enemy. Food is a result. And I tell this all the time to my clients. Food sensitivities are a result of gut health problems, not a cause. Now, once gut health problems are already going on, yes, even something like garlic and onion and apples can and continue and enhance the irritation in the gut lining. And so that's when the low FODMAP diet can be helpful. But will it heal your gut? No. The two most important factors in having a healthy gut are two things you may or may not have heard of, and I did mention in episode one. One is peristalsis, and two is our gut mucosal barrier. So peristalsis, if you don't know what it is, it is a mechanical coordinated muscular movement of the gut from starting in the esophagus and going all the way down to the large intestine. It's one of the reasons astronauts can digest food in space without gravity because their muscles are pushing it along. And it's one of the reasons that when you sometimes swallow food, it can feel like it gets stuck maybe in somewhere along your sternum. It feels like it's in your chest. That's because peristalsis isn't functioning well. Other manifestations of weak or irregular or spasmodic peristalsis might be quick feelings of fullness, where the stomach is not emptying the contents quick enough. And so we feel hungry because small intestines are telling us, hey, buddy, we're ready for food. And the stomach's like, not today, buddy. And so it's that upper GI area that you're starting to see peristalsis problems. Other manifestations of peristalsis problems include spasms in the large intestines that can result in constipation or diarrhea, and sometimes a mix of both. That is super common in cases of IBS, as well as other digestive conditions. And we can also get, you know, random bouts of spiking pain. That used to be a huge problem for me to the point where I actually felt pain in the middle of the night and it would wake me up from these kind of, felt like something was just squeezing in my gut and it would just be these hot areas of pain that would then go away. And that's what I usually call an irregular peristalsis where it's, uh, you know, it should be kind of, think about you're squeezing toothpaste out of your tube and you want to start from the top and roll down. But if you take your toothpaste and you squeeze from the bottom and you squeeze from the top and squeeze from the middle, it's not effective. And if you do it aggressively, the toothpaste doesn't have any nerves in it, but I'm sure it's just not a pleasant experience. And that can be going on in your gut. If your peristalsis is irregular in any way, then the food won't be moving along fast enough. And like your trash, it does not get taken out and it will grow some things. That growth can irritate. Now, part two, the mucosal barrier. Did you know that your gut lining has two barriers that keep all the things that you don't want in your body out of your body? It is a mucus barrier and one line of what we call epithelial cells. They're these single layer of thin cells. And this is what your gut has created for its skin. You only have two ways for anything to get into your body, and that's your skin. And we know, for example, if you get a cut on your skin, you want to put neosporin on it. You want to put something that is antimicrobial to keep that healthy. And the bigger the cut or bigger the gash, the more you want to make sure you keep that clean and put new bandages on it and don't let dirt in it. Although some people, you know, 
like doing that. But that being said, you keep the cut on your arm clean when you cut it, and that's your skin. And then you have a skin on the inside because that's the outside world coming in when you eat it and swallow. All it has bacteria in it, has foreign things, water, chemicals, vitamins, minerals, some minerals you don't want. And that mucosal barrier and that single lining of epithelial cells, they're supposed to take in very, very small amounts of molecules. And so what can happen though is if your peristalsis is broken down a tad, and or you've had intense things like gastroenteritis or like the stomach flu where you're throwing up a lot, or you've had several bouts of antibiotics for whatever reason, whether it's a UTI or other infections that you've been given antibiotics for, that weakens down those barriers. And if you're eating anything that's inflammatory, say you have a few foods that are inflammatory to your gut, whether that's wheat or dairy, those will also break down the mucosal barrier. And so suddenly that barrier will start to absorb larger molecules that it shouldn't. That can go everything from a piece of banana that it shouldn't be absorbing into the bloodstream to a bacteria or a pathogen that is actively aggressive against you and toxins. Now, once you have that peristalsis is kind of not so happy, your mucosal barrier is broken down, you're absorbing things that you shouldn't, even from everything as theoretically non-aggressive as a banana to aggressive like a pathogen, it gets into your bloodstream, you have systemic inflammation, and now, boom, you can get foggy headedness because it affects the blood-brain barrier. Super important. Mood is affected in the brain. We can have focus and memory affected in the brain. Energy levels affected because of nutritional absorption problems or, again, impact in the brain. Headaches and migraines, joint pain, skin problems as all those toxins are in the blood and then being put out into the skin and acne yada yada. And you're wondering, Allison, where does this tie back into the low FODMAP? Well, we're assuming if you're on a low FODMAP diet, you don't feel good. You're having some gut problems. And so you probably have some amount of mucosal barrier problems and or peristalsis problems going on. And so you put in this food and the truth is that mucosal barrier still might be broken. And the thing is, is food is not the only thing in your gut. You also have bacteria. Well, bacteria are good and bad. We have healthy, normal flora, and then we have opportunistic bacteria, and both are always in our gut. Not only that, when we travel and when we go to restaurants and eat different foods, we also get exposed to pathogens that when we're healthy, we kick out those pathogens. But if we're getting sicker because we're stressed or we're not sleeping well, or we've been given an antibiotic that destroyed all our normal flora then we suddenly become much more susceptible to not being able to kick out the pathogens we normally do. That includes parasites, yeast, and bacteria. And so those can be affecting the gut and they can take residence and you will not know when you're taking that low FODMAP diet, if you have a pathogen in it, you're not going to get better because that pathogen is still hanging out. It is still... Um, harming you. I actually recently did a test and I've had an amazing journey of improvement in my own health, yet have had some lingering symptoms that I haven't been super fond about. So with my functional medicine training, I said, you know, no doctor ever was willing to do these tests on me, but I'm going to do these tests. And lo and behold, I did a nice little stool test checking for pathogens and I have a parasite. Seriously, I have blastocystis hominis. It's a very common parasite. We're going to have a whole nother episode on that because there's a high correlation with IBS. They've done actually a lot of research on how many people just 
numbers of people who have IBS and blasto, as it's said in the short term. But that low FODMAP diet wasn't going to change my peristalsis, and it wasn't going to change my mucosal barrier, and it wasn't going to change whether or not I had a pathogen. So this is just, I mean, huge I really encourage you, if you are on a low FODMAP diet right now, if you're considering changing diets like a paleo or a keto diet, there's all these different diets that have positive reasons that we would take them, reasons that they would help us. If you're considering any of these things and you've already been on a diet for a while, um, maybe you're just switching it up, there's a possibility that new diets won't fix you. And I wish someone had told me this. I wish that I had somebody who could tell me, you know, there's other things other than diet that are harming or helping you because I really felt like I was just walking around blaming food and trying to victimize food and say like, I'm I'm sure it's the broccoli or I'm sure it's the sweet potato or, you know, no more grains for me. And really without testing, without knowing what's going on, it's really hard to accurately help anybody get better. That being said, when I say the word testing, If you're like me, you probably have had a few tests by now. You've had blood work and you've had maybe hormones checked and thyroid and may or may not have had thyroid checked, colonoscopy and endoscopy, which we talked about last time. And those are not the tests. When we're doing functional medicine, those are not the tests that we do. We look at use slightly more unconventional tests. We're looking at saliva, at urine, at cortisol levels and DHEA and sex hormone levels and metabolites of sex hormone levels, which is how your body is breaking down hormones in your body. We're looking at uh, do you have leaky gut and intestinal permeability? I have had so many clients come to me who have requested these from their doctor, these tests, and doctors have said that they would not do it. Now, you can ask your doctor if you want, um, whether it's your gastroenterologist, your primary care physician, um, see if you can get a referral to someone who would. But if you are having a hard time doing that, some of the reasons are just doctors don't trust it and insurance can be hard to work with. So I would strongly encourage you check out these tests, look into them. If you have any questions on if these tests are right for you, I am offering 30 minute complimentary calls to talk with me about your health. It is so important to work with a practitioner who gets you, who you work with in a positive way who can explain things. And I would love to take a moment to have my eyes on your body and discuss your health history and see if this work would be a right for you. But again, today, guys, I just want to encourage you that if low FODMAP diet has not been working for you, there is a way out. As of today, I do not have any gut problems with any food restrictions other than dairy. I just have noticed (laughs) dairy's, um, when I eat enough of it, doesn't make me feel the best. And there is some precedence to quantity of food being important and when you get an irritation. And that we'll go over that when we go talk about something called bucket theory and how to understand how much food is too much. You know, can I have an apple? Can I have half an apple at all and a whole apple? <laughs> Things like that. But for now, know there is a way out. Your body is only responding to stimuli it's being given, and it's trying to send you a message in kind of a clumsy, unclear way. 
but your body makes sense and all of its symptoms are interconnected. And when you do the right thing to help your body grow in one area, it does you a favor and often many other areas will also improve. So I encourage you guys today, do not fear. Diet is not the only thing you can do to help your body and it's not your fault. It's not your fault if you have gut health problems. It is not because you ate the wrong thing or you are not trying hard or because you're um, yeah, just that you somehow don't want to get healthier. And I know that can be a problem. I experienced that when I was referred to a nutritionist by my doctor and she told me that I must be having symptoms essentially because I must not be doing the low FODMAP diet correctly. And let me tell you, I'm a perfectionist. I'm an Enneagram one. I was doing that sucker perfectly well. With that, I want to encourage you, if you love this episode, we have so much more coming down the line. Subscribe so you never miss a beat and take a screenshot and share it with a friend. I cannot count how many times when I tell someone I'm a gut health therapist that they say, oh, my friend, family, sister, niece needs to talk to you. So send your friend a love note to their gut by sharing this episode with them. And other ways you can stay in the conversation with us is by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Better Belly Therapies. Our handle's the same for both. Better Belly Therapies, plural. We love connecting with our listeners, and it means so much if you dropped by and said hi. We'd love to hear what you thought of the show, if there's any topics you want us to cover, or just share a little bit about what you loved about this episode. In the meantime, I'll leave you with my favorite quote. Miracles are immediate, but healing takes time.